works so well. And Father God, we are anxious to uh, pick up where Johnny and Renee left off just for the week. And Father God, encourage for what you have to share with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Are you guys enjoying the pollen fill there? I am. Sure. I like breathing. You like breathing? I like breathing too. It's it's something I've grown accustomed to. Yeah. Are we good here or do we need Yeah, you guys are fine. You're fine. Thank you. We're good. But we're too over to the side and we know more people will come in, but we're gonna relocate. Now we're within spitting difference. Distance. Are you okay with that? As, as Brian backs way up. Okay, so I know pretty much for everyone in this room, we've kind of, um, a lot of the material that we're going over, we've gone over. Um, and at the same time, I'm going to ask for a show of hands because I'm going to be raising my hand. How many of us need to still keep hearing it? That's right over here. The emotional needs, the emotional cups, the, the, the learning how to care for one another. I mean, that, that's, you know, Ron and I started this um, talking about, you know, what's the greatest crisis? Being alone, right? That's what scripture said. That was, that was the first time God said something wasn't good. All right, when man was alone. But was man alone? No. He was with God. He was with God. But God he was is with God. the only thing we need, right? Yeah. No, I guess not. He says he's not with God. He's not with God. He's not with God. He is someone to fellowship. Like what I love is that our God is a relational God. Because even, even our God is a relational God. He's not alone. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as one. You know, so we've got to remember when we're walking through life. And I can't tell you how many times. No, I don't need any help. I, we did that. Was it uh, just the other day? Someone asked if we needed help. Yeah, you. Ian asked us if we needed help, and you said, "No, I don't. I got this." I, and I, I was like, "So frustrating." I said it. As soon as I said it, you know, and I, no, I actually started to say it's our stuff, so we'll take responsibility for it because we were moving some something up from upstairs downstairs, and then I'm thinking that is a horrible message to give. Not to say that I'm not responsible for my own stuff, but that I'm unwilling to take help from someone else who's willing to help. Who's willing to help? Because and that's what it is, because we experienced that when Paul had meningitis and came home from the hospital. It was really hard to let everybody help us. I mean, people just wanted to. And first of all, it was hard to admit that we even needed it. And then it's very humbling. And you have to be vulnerable. Well, I and I think I shared a story before where I was digging up some pipe in the backyard and I see, you know, our, our son out there sitting down and playing with his daughter. And I'm thinking to myself, I would have never let my dad work that hard on a yard. I know. And then as soon as I said that, it's like, Dad, can I help? 
And I said, no, I got this. And immediately I heard in my spirit, what are you doing? I prompted your son to help you, and now you're refusing it. And I caught that, though. I said, you know what, Mike, I would really appreciate it. Thanks. But I think, I mean, pride is a large part of it, um, like you said, Kathy. And at the same time, I think a lot of this world has taught us self-sufficient. Yeah. We don't want to be nosy. We don't want to butt into other people's problems. We don't want to, you know, or we think we know what they're going through. So we'll just have to let them work it out themselves. Space. You're going to give them space, give space, okay? And inside, they're really saying, I wish someone would. Yeah. Or I need help, but I don't even know what I need. But I, I don't want to be an imposition right. to anyone. They've got their own stuff to deal with. Because those lies are not backed up in scripture. I know I'm going off. That's not what we're supposed to teach today. But, I don't care know. what we're supposed to teach. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah, well, I do in a way. Go ahead. Also, you may be robbing someone of a blessing because their gift or calling may be in you to help someone and you may have just like stolen their joy. The And actually, there is a good tie-on. Um, tie in. I don't have a tie. Tie in to Johnny and Renee introduced. Um, they called it the pain of potential. They didn't focus on that title, um, but they talked about us finding or kind of doing a, a moment of examining where our greatest pain comes from. All right. Um, most. I mean, everyone has every emotional need in the world at some point or another. Uh, but generally, our greatest pain kind of keeps going back to that same area, that same spot. I'm insecure, or I just need appreciation. I mean, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I need affirmation. Okay, if you tell me I'm doing a good job, man, that fills my cup nice. All right. And, and it's not that I'm insecure or I'm self-centered or I'm not confident or anything else like that, but I've realized that affirmation is important to me. How do I realize that? Well, when people sit in on my class and they're just kind of doing their own stuff in the room, it's like, did I sound okay? You know? It's like, I, need, I just need that affirmation. We, we moved this, so I'm too close now. I'm better. Good. Did you need help with that? <laughs> no, we got this. I don't need no help. No, it's <laughs> Sue, you were going to say something. You had your hand up. And Jean comes and all, because it's her, her shape and her gift, and she's like, you know, and I'm like, then it encourages me, and then I can get through this path that I can 
how to do. And then we have fun too. And so I like finding out what other people's passion are because mm -hmm. then if it's not mine, I'm like, oh, I have my resource drawer. <laughs> how many, uh, we've all had our performance reviews at work, right? For, for the most part. Uh, the current ones I get are really nasty from my boss, but the... <laughs> He's self-employed. <laughs> How many of you got good marks for working independently? Because that is something that a lot of employers like, right? We like those independent thinkers. We like those people who can work independently that we can rely on. I know as a supervisor, I used to enjoy that. But I'm going to go back. Okay. How many in your done. family? I know. How many in your family, mom and dad, all right, said, deal with it yourself in one way or another. Mm -hmm. Work work independently. I'm busy right now. Work it out. Come work it out. Talk to me later about it. Okay, you're bothering me. So, what is that? Because when we think of independence, if we don't think of independence, what do we think of? You are overly what? Overly dependent. We never think of the word interdependent. Which is what you were describing. Which is what you were describing, which is what that puzzle piece was in service today. We never think of that word. Which is what God is. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Interdependent. They're not separate from one another. What you talking about, Lee? Oh, I'm sorry. Am I preaching the word? Is that a bad thing? Okay. Brian. For me, when I was 12, my dad painted Brian's yard service on the on the lawnmower. He said, "You want anything extra going through school? This is how you'll get it." Right? And so I, I got it. Right? Buy yeah. two cars, money in the bank. You know, I was, but when I went to work for somebody, I didn't like it. Because then I had a boss. And I never, and, and the happiest, I've always worked for myself. So I learned how to do everything myself. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I brought it into the marriage, and she's like, it drove her crazy. It's, it's, it's like, I'll help you. No, I got this. It drives right? Gene nuts and, when and, I do and that. It's, it's like, oh, uh, I got to learn to, yeah, I need your help, you know, yeah. to work better as a team. Drive me nuts while I'm single. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's the we all have needs and the pain and the potential of the needs. We don't realize that our independent mindset, our self-sufficiency, is actually bringing us oftentimes to the pain side of that figure rather than the potential side, because we're. What's the, there's a Motown song or there's a, we're an island or. I'm a rock. I'm an island. Yeah. And we, but we don't realize that in, in that independence, we're really not getting our relational needs met. And when our relational needs met, are met, we tend to have healthier thinking positive emotions, and productive behavior. But we're an island. We don't need help. 
Therefore, my back goes through a lot more strain than it needs to because I'm pushing pianos out of the way by myself. <laughs> Praise God that this has casters on it, so it's real easy. All right. But I mean, seriously, I mean, the physical of it. All right. And then you wind up getting to a point where it's like, yeah, you're stressed. You know, how come someone isn't reaching out to me? You know, I'm doing, why, 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 you know, I'm so busy because I'm doing it all on my own. But we've put ourselves on that island without a forwarding address or without a zip code or without a phone number or an email address. And then we wonder why nobody's there. Uh huh. Exactly. Or worse, nobody likes me. Because if they liked me, you would call me. That's a big lie, too. Well, and of course, the biggest lie, because, again, oftentimes programming from young kids, being a child that no one really has time for, all right, you don't have that value. Now we're independent, and if you really knew that I had that need, I mean, everyone thinks of me as just this real strong, independent person, and if I said, hey, I need some help doing something, that's going to cut down on you know, that wonderful illusion of how just, you know, self-sufficient and proficient I am, you know? If someone actually, you know, opened up my closet door and saw how unorganized it was, you know? It's like, I'm the organizer. How can your closet be that disorganized? You know, I'm not going to let my secrets out, right? Mm -hmm. All right? Well, here's Especially if I ask Sue, because she's going to be yap, yap, yap. You read my mind. No. Get anything done. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That was horrible. That was horrible. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I am saying that um, in jest as far as you read my mind and the comment. But it's. But when we're looking at relational needs, these life circumstances that we all kind of deal with it one way or another, and I've had those thoughts about people. I've had those thoughts about myself. All right. No one wants to have me involved because I'm too bossy and I just start directing people and it's not my place to do so. And, you know, it's we all have something, you know, um, but taking those real life things and putting it into relational needs. What are we doing in those circumstances? What are we doing in those circumstances when we say I'm not going to ask anyone for help because they'll slow me down? I'm not going to ask for anyone, anyone for help because they might find out. I'm not going to ask because what relational needs, and we know the relational needs, right? The 10 that we focus on, um, encouragement, support, respect. Acceptance, uh, approval, appreciation, security, comfort, attention. attention. All right, so when we're looking at emotional needs, let's let's because how many of us speak to ourselves in that emotional need language? How many of us stop to think about our thinking or we just kind of automatically go into that behavior? So think about our thinking in that circumstance where we're really wanting help, all right? So we're wanting help, so what are we, what are we needing in that moment? 
our thinking is faulty because what we're doing is we're, we're reinforcing the live in number one. Um, and then we're reinforcing the aloneness that we feel. We're putting ourselves on, on the island by not by not allowing ourselves to go to the question of what is it that I really need? Okay, so I do need help, but I'm afraid, which is another emotion, that I might not get the task accomplished if I ask for help. And oftentimes that fear in that circumstance is actually a need for security. So, I mean, fear, anger, um, tend to be um, uh, the backpack, the catch-all. I mean, it, but they're, they're two generic terms when you're dealing with emotions. Um, even love, in some ways, is too generic a term because it's, it's, it's a catch-all category that really isn't specific enough. You know, love love is a positive emotion, but are we talking about uh, a love that is an emotional connection? Or a Mustang. Right. Yeah. Right. Or a thing. Or a thing. What about out of selfishness? Because sometimes you may feel, well, I don't help people. No one's going to help me, so I'm not going to ask because you assume other people feel like you do. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes I know I tend to be that way. It's like... I don't feel like helping that person. So, but then when I need help, then I'm reluctant to ask because I'm thinking they may feel like me, which may not be true. Okay. So, very, very, very good reasoning. And, and I know, yeah, uh, I can relate to that as well. But what would, what would that lie, what emotional need would that lie be linked to? So, the lie that you're believing is because I don't ask for help, people are going to look at me as... Because I don't offer help. Yeah, because you don't offer help, that people are going to look at me as selfish or something if I ask them for help. So then that, that, that's the other emotion that that's covering up is, is uh, self-loathing and shame. There's an element of shame there that the enemy is playing on by wanting us to maintain our selfishness. It's easier to think of it as me being selfish than it is for me to think that I'm actually shaming myself. Which would mean that in that circumstance you may need, you may have a need for approval. Okay, and if if I don't ask other, if I don't offer other people, then if I ask, they're not going to approve of me, they're going to think I'm does that make sense? All right. I, I, I'm making your brains think today. Okay. <laughs> hey, it's noon. Yeah, it's not the 9 o'clock service. All right. The reason why I'm making you think is because we've walked this out so often that we've become familiar with the terms. But I think even for my own walk, I don't have enough grasp on putting life with practice together. You know, Romans talks about a renewing our minds, right? We move from our emotional needs getting met or unmet 
to emotion to feeling so quickly we don't even realize there's a thought but there is always a thought and unless and, and that's why we have such a difficult time because our emotions are something God gave us anger fear uh, love all these different emotions are emotions that God gave us and it, the thing is, when we go from our emotional needs either being met or unmet to a feeling, we can't heal the feeling. We can only come against the lie that was put into our life or that we began to think. That's where the healing takes place. So unless we can identify that thought or that lie that we're believing that causes us to feel something, I, you know, I, you know, how, how I feel you don't like me. That's a thought. That's not a feeling. But we have gotten so confused and we have ignored the fact that there is a thought in between that emotional need opportunity and our emotion after that we there's a thought in there and oftentimes when our emotional needs are unmet we have a negative thought that causes us to feel a particular way Sue so I have a question on that so I have a co-worker and I thought this this last week I thought she doesn't like me and I started thinking about Oh, she must have, you know, because we did that exercise. It's been a while since I've been here, but the last time I was here, we did that exercise about understanding and all that. Mm -hmm. And so I immediately went, oh, I didn't know she's had this bad experience. I started creating this whole story in my mind of why she probably didn't like me. I'm white. She's not white. You know, I, oh, man, I had this whole thing. And I thought, well, you know, it could be it or it may not be. I don't know. And then... So I, my question is, is, so I have this thought, she doesn't like me, and then it went to, you know, a feeling and emotion. What was the feeling it led to? I don't like her. This is not a feeling, that's a thought. So what feeling did it lead to? Because we have a really hard time distinguishing emotion from thinking. Yeah. Yeah. But in that circumstance, because you didn't stop even and understand the feeling as well, you captured the thought, which is great, but then automatically you had to fill in the backstory. What's that? You had to fill in the backstory. Well, I made it up. I mean, you had to fill it in. Right, because there was an emotional need to fill in that's unaddressed. So now you have this thought, there's an emotional need that's going unaddressed, and you have to fill in. So I don't know if that was good or bad. I mean, I just kind of dismissed it. I could have been it, or it may not have been. I'll never know. Well, here's how it works out. I have a thought. She doesn't like me. It causes you to feel an emotion, probably a lack of a, a need for approval, because you made up a story as to why she doesn't. Because we had to compensate for that. Oh, yeah, because I think everyone should like me, right? So unless they have to have a big story of why they don't like me, right? 
Well, I can understand that. You're such a likable person, so I can understand why everyone wouldn't want to like you. And at the same time, that's impossible. But that's a different story. But see, that's the whole thing. So if you recognize at that moment when you, you have that thought, she doesn't like me, okay, well, how is that making me feel? All right? So, and let's say you come to the conclusion, I'm feeling unapproved. Yes, unaccepted, is that a feeling? That's a feeling as well. You're feeling unaccepted. Then you give opportunity to bring the truth into that circumstance and that situation. Not the potential background on why she's whatever, but instead, are you accepted? And and it's one of those opportunities, Lord, why am I feeling this way? Why am I thinking this and why am I feeling this? Because that's the only way we're going to bring healing into those negative situations. Because God can't heal you from feeling unaccepted. But what he can do is address the lie as to why you're feeling that. And then he can bring healing to that area of your life. And that's the way this all goes with the emotional needs, the thinking, and then the emotion that goes behind it to recognize what our thoughts are versus what our feelings are and to identify the, the way that they're connected. Does that make sense? And one of the ways we've taught that you can distinguish an emotion or a feeling from a thought is if you can insert the word that. It's a thought. So I feel you don't like me. If I can insert the word that, I feel that, you don't like me, it's a thought. If I say I feel unhappy or I feel sad, if I put the word that in, that sentence doesn't make sense. I feel that sad. That's just doesn't make sense as a sentence. So that's how to distinguish that. But it's really important to identify what that thought is. Because God can't bring healing to the emotion. There's nothing to heal there. It's an emotion. We can only heal the uh, the the uh, what the damage we've done to ourselves by telling ourselves those lies, or believing the lies that were told to us. Yes. You know, I loved Johnny and Renee's vulnerability last week when they were sharing the different stories. Um, and I think, again, universally, pretty much everyone has had circumstances where people have just been mean to them, you know, and, and said untruth. Um, I did it, and I apologize to you because it was wrong of me um, to even make. I mean, I know you know that I was teasing Sue, but for me to come out and, and say it is still an unhealthy part of me that I'm working on correcting because it was wrong even in jest it was wrong and I'm sorry um, for do I know I appreciate your forgiveness um, but it was wrong but it, it because my defenses and my upbringing that was you know plus being in New York he just barbs all day long um, it doesn't make it right it's a different culture you know it doesn't make it right and it doesn't make it Christ-like either and it's an area that I still need to, to work on. Um, but even in jest, how many people have really truly gotten hurt in jest? 
you know? So with respect to this, and, and what we often find, how do I phrase this? Because I was tempted to, uh, to lead off with this, and it's related to what Pastor's sermon was last week as well as this week. Because last week he asked us to do homework. What do you want your epithet? Epi, I can't epitaph. Say that? Epitaph. Epitaph. What, what do you want your epitaph. epitaph to read? Epitaph. Has anybody thought about what they want their epitaph to read? It's, it's, it's what they're going to put on. It's, it's, it's the lie they put on your tombstone. Is that what you said? No, no? I said here lies this woman. Here lies this woman. But that's a lie. That's a lie. Are you just a woman? One, are you just a woman? Two, spiritually, are you there? No. See? It's a lie. So Here lies this woman's coffin in her bones. Has has anybody thought about that? Because here's the interesting part. Why did God create Adam? Why did God create Adam? Did he create him because he needed a gardener for the Garden of Eden? No. Why did God create companion? Adam? Fellowship. fellowship. Mm -hmm. He already had fellowship in God. He did. And we would say perfect fellowship, right? So why did God create Adam? And he still did it. I think he created man because out of the fullness of who he was, an intimate, perfect relationship, it was the ultimate expression of his love. To create man in his image. And but he didn't he didn't create it for the purpose of tending the garden. He created it relationally. So I'm going to add an additional challenge to Pastor's challenge from last week. Your epitaph. What would it read relationally? Because that's what we were created for. I want to add something to you, and Brian has his hand up right. too. I believe that. Thank you, my groomer. Um, um, God gave in the face of pain. God gave in the face, I mean, right? We love because he first loved us. Because he gave his only son. And he gave his son before the foundation of the world. That's what the word says. Right. Well, as I read the Bible, he created the heavens and the earth. He created the angels. Mm -hmm. And that, I mean, you think about that. He had the angels up there with him. He created the angels, right? 
but he wanted someone to love him mm -hmm. out of their own free will. Mm -hmm. That's why he created yep. this hybrid. And that's what I, I get from when I read the Bible. He wanted, and, and, and the angels go, why did you create men? They're Lord, and he goes, no, they're hired. Yeah, right? so get to tend in my garden. Yeah. Right, but no. The angels. Cool. No, I don't. Yeah. It, but, but that's 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 what I read yeah. in the Bible. Yeah. And then on I, I, I actually wrote yeah. my epitaph and sent it to John. Okay. This yeah, and I said, since I have followed Jesus, I watch my family do the same. And that's the legacy yeah. that I leave. Yeah. So that's what that's what I wrote. Very cool. That's a good one. Yeah, because our epitaph should be about relationship. It should be, be because if we look at all, you know, when we think of the guy who owns Amazon, you know, what's it, you know, richest man in the world? What is his going to be? You know, I, I, I sold everything. I, I, I have no idea. It's a little murky right now. You know, I put all the brick and mortars out of business or, you know. And to be fair. I didn't fair, take all the money with me. <laughs> I didn't take all the money with me, exactly. You know, but to to be fair, we don't know what his relationships are we like. We don't. You know, we don't know what his relationships are like. Um, yeah, unfortunately. You know, um, it's it's. When we're looking at life, how easy is it to look at the needs versus the numbers? Well, I'm not saying anything except that I've got um, four years and seven and a half weeks before I retire. But you're not looking at the numbers. But I'm not looking at the retire. Yeah. How long? Four years and seven and a half weeks. <laughs> She's not counting. But I'm not counting. Not the seven and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah, because we, we, we get half half a week at the end of the year. So, yeah, but I'm... Yeah. You're counting. Now, if you left your job, would you say that? Probably not. Mm. But I'm looking at the numbers, and I'm trying real hard... And I think one of the reasons why I'm looking at the numbers so much is because outside of my students, the relationships at work are so struggling. You know, because I'm, I'm a different world than public school teachers. Well, they don't like you. I know they don't, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's. I realize they're at a different place, but for me, it's very hard because remember, I said at the beginning, I have a need for affirmation, right? And there's nothing wrong with my need for affirmation, and it's not a codependent need, it's not an unhealthy need, and it's not that I I, I go around. It, so it's not. It's it's a healthy need for affirmation. I'm not getting any of that at work because my perspective, my word view is in conflict with their world view. 
you know, so therefore I see things differently and I make suggestions and so forth. So it makes it a little bit more challenge relationally. And when Ron and I don't go through and deal with the relationship part, now that could be, well, even, what was it, yesterday? Yeah, it was yesterday. Um, Ron was pretty distant. In the morning? In the morning. Yeah. Um, Friday. Friday. There we yeah. go. Um, had a whole bunch of different things doing, running a bunch of different errands and stuff like that. And Ron was kind of quiet and he kind of had this face on him. I you get know. a face, apparently. He gets a face. <laughs> you know? He, he gets a face on him. I get you know? a face. I get a face. And, and internally, all right, I'm thinking, well, Ron is mad at me. I'm, I'm making him do more than he wants to do, or um, my, my unclarity this morning is frustrating him, all right? I had this thought, okay? I had this thought, and I started running with all of the, well, why is he feeling like this, okay? Which I never clarified until I finally, what did I ask you? Or what did I state? Um, See how much healing takes place in our relationship? <laughs> I don't even remember. Yeah, but I, we were in the car, we, and I, we, I said, I'm feeling, I'm feeling disconnected. You're feeling disconnected. And the comment I made was, because of Jean's actions, I didn't know what she was focusing on, and I can't keep up. Jean multitasks really well. And if there's a free five minutes... That five minutes will be filled in with something else. So I am trying to catch up on the thing she was on 15 minutes ago. And it's overwhelming for me. We, we went looking at kitchen cabinets yesterday. And it's one of those things. There's so many choices I can't even, I can't even focus. I can't even focus. Show me five things you like and I can help reduce that five. But sometimes it's just so overwhelming. So what Gene was sensing was, I was just overwhelmed in that moment, but I didn't share that. Instead, I apparently had it written all over my face, which looked like something different. It didn't look overwhelmed. It looked like you're, you're a pain right now. But it wasn't until I stopped enough of my, well, he's angry at me. I better slow down. I better, because, you know, when, when I go this way, he gets overwhelmed. I had to stop enough to say, I'm feeling disconnected. And that there's something bothering you. Ron didn't realize that he was overwhelmed at that moment until we had a little bit of conversation about it. Now, because we've had enough of these conversations and we're getting better at recognizing our feelings and our thinking, that the conversation lasted less than five minutes. No bringing in the kitchen sink and when you did this yesterday and when I did this and this and that and the other thing. But it got us to a spot where it's like, oh, okay. I explained a little bit about where I'm doing and what my thinking was. He explained a little bit about what he was and his thinking. And then we were able to get on with the day. Yeah. But you just explained what you were thinking or what you were feeling, too. I started out on feeling disconnected. So I'm now. Feeling disconnected, so yeah. he understands that what do I need? He, I need connection. Okay, and then he, I explained what I was thinking. You seem 
very quiet, or what I observed in this case, which is what I was thinking based on what my, you know, you were quiet and you kind of have this um, face. Face. Let's just call it the face. <laughs> okay. Everyone in this room gets a face. Yep. Everyone in this room gets a face. Okay. We have one too. Most of them look pretty good. Anyway. Um, All of them look pretty good. I was talking about me. I, I'm referring to you as well. Okay. Right. Anyway, where were we? <laughs> can I, can I yes, interject, please? I, I, um, so I had this need to, to continue to butt into what they were teaching, so I started eating. Okay? Because that was a way to slow myself down so that I just wasn't constantly talking. I just thought I'd share that as a people. But wait, wait, wait a second. You had a need to butt into what we were teaching. Okay, so really, what I was that need? need? To speak. You had a need to be heard. To be heard. So I decided that it was inappropriate. So at that moment, at that moment, so I chose to. But I, I like what you guys modeled. A couple of things that I got from you modeling what you experienced on Friday was that number one, as facilitators of this class, you don't have it all together. Mm -hmm. Number two, um, through Sue's question, it amplified for me that you practice. Um, two things I, I picked up. Let me know if I'm right or wrong. You practice expressing the feeling, which gives context to the things that you observe, which then allows what you were actually thinking about what you observed to be able to be received in a in a welcoming manner. Yes. And then giving Ron the opportunity to address the emotional need that was there because of the context. The other thing that I observed, and thank you, Sue, for your question, because it helped me um, to slow down and, and really catch some things, is that you guys, I'm guessing, must have practiced dealing with the emotional need or issue in the present, because you made a point to say it didn't become hysterical, mm -hmm. historical. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't drag in stuff from last week or last year or whatever because you were I hate that he always gets like that when yeah mm. thank you you're welcome that was a very good summary good job now I feel good <laughs> and you know what the the basis of all that is all that that Leona explained and, and and referred back to and and one of the things we've had to make a conscious choice not to get offended that's what it really boils down to we've had to make a conscious choice not to get offended one of the things that really does help in this situation is not becoming historical because that's going to undermine everything that we're trying to handle in the moment because the moment we become historical we realize our partner has been holding out on us and I can I cannot trust in that moment that something I did a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago will not be thrown back up in my face, which is going to cause me to be very resistant to sharing. 
Because I could have just as well said, you know what, I have a headache. I could have shut that conversation down in a flat moment. You know what, I'm just dealing with a headache, I didn't sleep well. Meanwhile, all this stuff that's in me and all this stuff that's in Gene, none of that gets resolved. You know, and uh, and I go about continuing to feel disconnected because he's got a headache and I'm not feeling like he's on board with what we're supposed to be doing. And, you know, my feeling is, you know, I, I'm just going to have to try and keep up with Gene the best way I can keep up with Gene and hope I don't fall flat on my face. But the thing is, and I'm going to stop for sure. just a second because what you just said, he's going to try to keep up with me and try not to fall flat on his face. What emotional need are you neglecting? In that moment, respect. By, so by him denying the conversation and the communication, he's just gonna, you know, I'm gonna blaze ahead and he's gonna follow along, right? Yeah, because what I'm feeling that in that moment, what I'm thinking in that moment, not what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking in that moment is Gene has absolutely no concern for what I would like to get accomplished today. And that's disrespect. That's what, I'm sorry, I didn't hear the emotional, Gene, you asked him what was the emotional, yeah. something I missed. What, what was the emotional need that I was not, what I was... If, if, if he had chosen I, if, to say. If I had chosen to say, you know, I have a headache, disrespect. That's the emotion that I'm feeling. I'm feeling unrespected. So in, in the situation where, you know, I'm just doing all these multitasks and stuff like that, and I notice that he's quiet about it, you know, and he chooses in that sentence or at that circumstance, excuse me, if he had chosen to say, I have a headache, he's actually then denying his emotional need for respect. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because he didn't express that I'm feeling overwhelmed and I don't want to follow after you like a dog. Um, I want to I want to be a partaker in what you're doing. I want to be involved in your plans. You know, that's kind of what he was feeling when he got overwhelmed. He got overwhelmed because he was feeling disrespected. Now, someone else in that situation may have felt differently. It may not have been disrespect. But that's what I'm saying is it's, it's to stop. Why am, I, why am I feeling this? What is my thinking in this circumstance? And then what can I do to bring my thinking in alignment with the truth or to bring um, a circumstance or a situation where healing and compassion can be brought in? And... and um, Johnny and Renee are going to be talking about yeah. um, how care, compassionate care, actually can bring healing. Um, and not just compassionate care, but also communication. Um, compassionate communication right. um, can, can bring that healing. Does that make sense? And I, and I just realized because it's like, okay, and while Jean was talking, I was listening to her, but at the same time, I was asking God, why do I why do I think that way? Why do I feel that way? And, uh, you know, what was the source of the lie, right? That's what we ask people. The source of the lie was, and I find this very interesting, my mother would haul me off to her bingo parlors 
so that I could get her snacks and everything else. And she would give me a single board to play, but she would haul me to her bingo parlors, and she would go play. That's why I hate bingo. <laughs> but she would play bingo three to four times a week, and I'd end up having to go with her those nights. And basically, without any respect for what I would have wanted to do that night, and, you know, the smoke-infested halls and everything else, because there's all that smoke and everything that's going on. So, and, and at that moment, God shared with me, that's why you don't, that's why you have a hard time doing that. A hard time, because I couldn't express that to my mother. Because in those days, it, that's it. You do what mom tells you to do. Period. Yeah. That, you know, that's the type of household. And so, you know, it was, and so I asked God, why, why even now would I respond that way? And that's what he shared. So now we can deal with that issue. And I'm grateful that God did reveal that to you. Mm -hmm. And I can see how it would feel disrespected that you might have wanted to hang out with other people or do other things instead of being... Um, and I mean no disrespect to your mom. No. I, I did it to my kids too. As a matter of fact, someone once said that's the reason why we have kids so they can do stuff for you. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but um, the feelings that go along with that, um, you have more value than that. Your needs and your wants are important, and I'm sorry that that wasn't Thank you. recognized. And I'm sorry that I didn't recognize that at that moment. Thank you. Brian. So in John, can I read a little bit in John? Of course. Yeah. In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and created everything through him. Mm -hmm. And then if we go down to 14, because it's talking about the Word. So the Word became human and his home among us. So his word brought life to everything. Yeah. And so our thoughts and our words become life. Mm -hmm. Or death. Or death. Yeah. It's very powerful. And how we got saved was through our confession mm -hmm. of our mouth. Mm-hmm. It's through the words. It, it, if we're not paying attention, and that's this is this is the biggest obstacle. It's only six inches long, but it's got a million miles worth of neurons, imprinted neurons. All right, and when I say imprinted, if literally, and I think we've talked about this before, anyone, young itty bitty babies. All right. They're already starting neural pathways, all right? It's like anyone drive down a, a dirt road that's been driven down, and you get these ruts with this big hump in the middle, all right? Just the process of going, all right? Our brain literally gets ruts in the road. It's automatic. That's PTSD, all right? Guys that go off to war, ladies that go off to war, all the shooting and the bomb, they're here. Someone makes a loud noise, they hit the floor, all right? Their brain is processed to respond like that, all right? And if you've grown up in an abusive household or a neglectful 
neglecting household, um, your brain is processed. You've got those ruts. The good news is, is that God has designed us in such a way that when we recognize those ruts, just like in that driving the car, you can jerk the car and get it over that center hump and start driving on the center hump and the other side of it and making a new roadway, <laughs> right? We can do that with our brain, but it is taking captive every thought and bringing it under submission. It is being renewed in our mind, right? It's recognizing the thoughts that go with our emotions and the emotions that go with our thoughts. They go back and forth, hand in hand. Some people just, I mean, like for me, I used to, I used to wake up angry. Woke up angry and bitter, all right? And I never could figure out why I was angry and bitter. Because if you look at it on paper and you try to analyze it, everything is fine. Why am I angry and bitter? All right? And then I realized my mother is angry and bitter. My sisters are angry and bitter. My grandmother was angry and bitter. My aunt was angry and bitter. That's what I learned. That was part of my generational heritage. All right? And it wasn't until spiritually I took care of that and recognize that that anger and bitterness without a I'm going to say this and bear with me first without a just cause right is is a, a lie from the enemy he's just trying to throw out now anger and bitterness is not something that we should walk around with anyway but I say without just cause is because there's still life events that <laughs> might go to you know it's like <laughs> this is you know, this is an unjust situation, and I'm angry, and, um, you know, I would hope it wouldn't turn into bitterness, um, you know, but outside cause, but I, you guys understand the difference. And I, I want to take a step back, too, because um, you all heard what Jean shared with me, right? It's called emotional care. We were teaching. We have a task to do, frankly. Did Jean allow the task to interfere with emotional care in the moment? No. No. Oftentimes, we allow our tasks to get in the way of relational care, emotional care, and oftentimes we allow our task to get in the way of a good epitaph. And it's really important when we're in a relationship, whether it's work relationships or family relationships, you know, husband, wife, parent, child, uh, work relationships or other sibling type relationships. It's always important. I know I shouldn't use the word always, but I am. It is always important to put the relationship ahead of the task in the moment. God had a lot of work to do, frankly. And relationship always came first. Relationship always came first. So I appreciate it. stopped on the way the woman with the issue of blood. I mean, think about that. If you were the woman with the issue of blood, if you guys remember the story, for a decade plus, she was an outcast in her society because she was bleeding. So she risks everything to just touch the harm garment, all right? And she was healed instantly. What do you think her preference would have been? 
at that point, relationally. She's been an outcast for decades, right? Because she's had this issue of blood. And she sneaks in, pushes through the crowd, sneaks in to touch Jesus' hem. Do you think at that moment she would have wanted Jesus to stop everything that he was doing and call her out? What do you think she would have preferred? Yeah. I got healed, praise God, I'm getting out of here. Because. I don't want anyone to know what I've just done. Because that is what her pain allowed her to become accustomed to. We talk about the pain and the potential. I prefer to reverse those words. Potential and the pain, because I don't want to give preeminence to something we shouldn't be living out. Jesus at that moment was introducing a new potential when he stopped and acknowledged her. You know, she still doesn't have a name. Think about it. She still doesn't have a name. We still don't know that woman's name. We'll figure it out someday. We'll be told someday. But Jesus stopped to address, to speak potential. That's essentially what he did. He was speaking potential into her. Because it's pastor talked about flushing those thoughts. If you were in service, he talked about flushing the thoughts. Um, what are you going to refill with? Think about flushing a toilet. Because you flush it, it refills up, right? What are you going to refill it with? Because you can't leave a void. Because if there's a void, Sue, we're going to start thinking some thoughts that just aren't appropriate. So what do we got? If we're going to flush a bad thought, we got to replace it with what? We got to fill it with a positive thought. We got to we got to reverse that lie. We got to fill it with the truth. We got to fill it with the truth. And I think the truth is an important key. Not just a positive thought. The truth. Right. The truth. Often the two are hand in hand. The world will oftentimes fill in with positives that are not truthful. You can be anything you want to be. You're a quadriplegic, but you can be a major league basketball player. Because you can be anything you want to be. Right? That's a positive thought. You can be anything you want to be. But unless God divinely heals or grows four legs, four arms, you know, two arms, two legs, you're not going to be a major. So when we're talking about truth, and positivity, that positivity has to be balanced in the truth. Does that make sense? Yes. You know, and I think sometimes that's where, because the world is so positive and we give the encouragement and we use the Christian cliches, it's hard for people to receive because it's not a realistic truth? I, I, I don't know if I'm explaining it properly. You know, a pastor talks about reaching our potential, right? So how do we reach our potential? Because that's what this, it's potential and pain. We have, it, it's going to go in one of two directions. Ask God what the truth is about you. That's where the potential starts. So God, what's the truth? Bring it back to the beginning. Sue, your coworker doesn't like you. God, what's the truth? God, what's the truth? She doesn't like herself. 
Well, basically, it's going to be honest, and here's how we can tell something. Yes, that could be part of it. That's not the whole picture. The, the, the answer is going to be either she doesn't like me or she doesn't like me for whatever reason or she does like me and can't express it, right? It's either she either does or she doesn't, all right? But whether she does or doesn't like you, because now you're, you're recognizing that that's a need for acceptance, what's the truth as far as your acceptance? Yeah. The question doesn't become as important of whether or not she likes you. It becomes whether or not I'm accepted. How can I get that acceptance met if right. she's not a vital resource? For yeah. How can I get that acceptance? Where, where is the right place for me to go, God, to for get acceptance. that acceptance needed, need met? So if she doesn't accept me, where can I get that need for acceptance met in a healthy manner? Changes its dynamic. Amazing how it influences the relationship in question. So it's amazing how that, um, having that dialogue with the Lord changes the relationship in question. It perspective on how you see Because just don't have enough information to fill in the blank necessarily in a full but, spectrum. But, but a blank is being filled in. So Lord, why am I filling in that blank with that? I, whenever I ask a question, I will always ask it back on myself. Why am I thinking that? It's not why doesn't this person like me. It's why am I thinking that she does or he does not like me. Why am I thinking that? There you go. And and again, we're filling in so many blanks that it has to get down to a simple question. Lord, why am I thinking what I'm thinking? What emotional need is it connected to? Alright. Alright. Questions, comments? No snide remarks. I've already made them today. <laughs> I appreciate, Jean, how you are always good about doing that, about what you did for Ron, about, you know, saying, I'm sorry you just had to go through that. You've done that to me, too, and I appreciate it. Well, I'm really good at speaking before I think. <laughs> and um, therefore, <laughs> winding up, putting myself in not healthy situations that I've had practice correcting. <laughs> I still have work to do on it, but All right. thank you for saying that. Father, thank you for uh, this time together. Thank you for uh, what you shared through all of us, Father God. And one of the reasons why I like this group, Father God, is the vulnerability with which we all share. And uh, none of us has it all together. Uh, and none of us are going to proclaim that we do have it all together. Um, so, Lord, at the same time, there are areas of our lives that do need healing. And so, Lord, I would just ask that we are prompted to ask those questions. Lord, why am I thinking the way I'm thinking? So that way you can bring clarification. And, you can, and, and, and when we do that, Lord, help us not to do that in isolation either. 
If there are individuals that you would like us to reach out to, please help us, prompt us not to become self-sufficient, help us not to be interdependent, or help us not to be independent, but help us to be interdependent with one another. Because that's what you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Love you guys.